Good morning. How are we today? Great. Hey, uh, just a reminder, uh, John wasn't kidding, the Christmas and the D tickets are just about gone, so if you are planning on coming, today's probably the day to buy your tickets. You can do those at the information counter right back here, or you can do it online. I think there's a link on your screen if you're online right now uh, that you can just click on and you can buy your tickets and then you can come back and join the message in a moment. But anyway, you should get your tickets right away if you want to do that. Hey, I wanted to uh, pause for just a moment and give us a chance to just pray for our community and pray for uh, specifically the Oxford community. Um, And I tried this in the first service, and I would say it didn't exactly go over exceedingly well. Um, But instead of a moment of silence, I think I would like to just encourage us to have a moment of prayer. Uh, where we just verbalize our prayers out loud. So I'm going to encourage you for the next minute just to pray right where you're sitting. And if you uh, pray out loud, that's great. Uh, This is something that happens in other cultures often as we travel, do missions work. Uh, There are a lot of cultures where they're in a room and everyone will begin to just pray their own prayers. And it's sort of the prayers of the saints going up into heaven. It's a beautiful thing. We don't do that very often in our tradition. And what I noticed in the first service is there was a kind of an awkwardness to it. But sometimes we got to all right, slide into the awkwardness and do it. So for the next minute or so, I'm just going to give you uh, some time to pray. If you're sitting with your family and you want to just sort of lean into one another and just let one person pray out loud, uh, that would be good. But just pray for the community of Oxford. Uh, pray for the kids. Obviously, pray for the families that have experienced these devastating losses. Uh, pray for our students. Uh, it's been uh, a pretty brutal a uh, couple years for kids in schools, and this just adds to the fear, adds to the dilemma. Pray for us as parents and as uh, leaders that we would uh, step into this well. So I'm just going to give you a minute uh, to pray. Lord, I thank you that you are not a God that's far off, that you are a God who hears the prayers of your people and respond to the prayers of your people. And we pray for healing uh, in this incredible tragedy. We pray uh, that you would help the leaders of the community, leaders of the school to uh, just know how to uh, bring healing to the students, healing to these families. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth. I pray that people would come to know you through this tragedy, that you would redeem uh, this in the way that only you can. Lord, even as we're just praying, just thinking about the young man who who did this, and I just pray for him. I pray for his heart. I pray for the darkness that must have just, I, I just can't even imagine. So Lord, we pray for this uh, Uh, He's just a kid, 15 years old. We just pray uh, that you would intervene in his life, that something 
uh, beautiful would come out of something so tragic. So uh, we just offer this up to you. We ask that you could do more than we can even ask, think, or imagine through this situation. And uh, I do pray for our students. I pray that our students here at Grace would know that they are loved, that they are cared for, that you would replace any spirit of fear with a, with a spirit of courage, that they would be strong and courageous because they know that the Lord God is with them. Help us to lead well in this season of chaos. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are spending the month of December exploring uh, missions, right? And we're asking the question, why missions? Why is missions so important to us as a church? Why uh, do we put so much time and energy into missions? And my hope and my prayer would be that this is not just uh, something where you sit and you hear about our, our, our partners and you hear about what we're doing in missions, but you would also be encouraged and or pressed into being missional yourself. You are all called to be a mission. That's what we talked about last week. The idea of the Great Commission is not for me, it's for us. You are as commissioned as I am. You are in ministry as much as I am. And so I'm hoping that this series not only helps you to understand what we do and why we do it and how we do it, but it encourages you to get involved both physically and financially. Uh, every year for the last nine years, I think we've been doing this, we stop in December and we raise our entire missions budget for the coming year. So the goal this year is to raise $250,000 and use that money to bless our partners here in Detroit, our partners across the United States, and our partners around the world. This is the money we use to bless them. And so that happens in two ways. People give uh, a, a one-time f- lump sum for 2022, but I would say the majority of people pledge to give in the coming year. So on the 19th, which is in two weeks, uh, we will actually take up an offering and uh, we will raise uh, what God will have us raise. Hopefully it's the $250,000 so that we can continue to do ministry well. Um, So we have a special guest today who's going to share a little bit of their story, a little bit of uh, the history that we have with them in missions. But I kind of wanted to share my own story and how I got to know uh, Meyer and Sue. It was about 20 years ago, a little less than 20 years ago, uh, that I was invited by the then missions pastor, Scott Shaw, to go on a mission trip to Morocco. I was not working at the church at that time. I was still in the business world. I was still trying to figure out uh, who I was and what I was going to do with my life. And I was invited to go on this trip, and it was a life-changing experience. We had a chance to travel through uh, Morocco and visit with believers in many different cities. We uh, covered really all of Morocco. If you look on a map, we we went around the entire uh, country of Morocco, but we met believers, and we talked to believers, and it changed my understanding of the church. It changed my understanding of faith. We would meet with people who were in the underground church. We met with uh, two individuals who had just just been released from being uh, arrested and interrogated by the police. And it was as if I was sitting with the Acts Church. They were talking about how privileged they were to be arrested, how privileged they were to suffer for Christ. Like we just don't have any concept of that kind of persecution. But it was huge for me just to, just to experience that and just to realize. And I can tell you, it is very seldom that we have a worship service on Sunday morning that I don't think of the church in Morocco and think about how incredibly blessed we are to gather in freedom, to walk into this building in freedom, to worship wholeheartedly, to have this many people playing music. We have so much freedom that we take for granted. And it 
was just a huge thing for me to see and to experience what was going in Morocco. It was very life-changing for me. So the other thing I would say is as we get back to being able to do short-term mission trips, uh, Karen Kian runs those, you need to say yes. When we're doing a trip, whether it's Morocco or Belize or wherever we're going, these trips are transformational. I've been on many of them, and every single one of them God has used to uh, open my eyes or something. I sometimes think I'm going because I have something to give. And in reality, every time I go, it's because God had something he wanted me to receive. And I just want to encourage you as we talk about short-term trips, as we are able to do short-term trips, hopefully in the near future, get involved and step in. So throughout the series, we're going to show you a video every week. The video this week is of some of the work that we are doing in Morocco. And so we're going to show this video. And when that video is done, I'm going to invite Meyer and Sue to come up and we'll just talk to them about their ministry. There you go. Amen. So would you welcome to the stage Maher and Suher, our partners in Morocco. They came a long ways just to hang out with us today. Bless you. Bless you. Hey, uh, as they're getting situated in their seats, want to point out what's on the screen right there. Uh, no pictures, please. No video. This is not the time to go Facebook Live uh, for their protection. And if you're online, you have a different slide on your screen that says that we know that you can't see anything right now other than that slide on the screen. And that's to protect them because they are doing uh, work in a difficult community. And we just don't want to be responsible for... Uh, any pain or suffering that may come because we're doing this. So that's, that is important to pay attention to. So we have a long history uh, in Morocco, and I think the best way to uh, help you to understand our history as a church in Morocco is to let Sue here talk for a minute just about uh, how this has all come about. How did you end up sitting here? Yeah. Yes, well, uh, I joined a team of missionaries in uh, southern Spain uh, in 86. That's a long time ago. And I met two Somebody couples. Somebody said, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I, I met two couples that were sent out by your church in the early 60s to serve in Morocco. And so I joined that team to help them because I, I speak Arabic. And, and so I helped them with literature, Bible correspondence courses, radio programs, etc., to reach out into North Africa. And so after I decided I'm going to do this full time, so I came to the United States to go through training, and they invited me to come to your church. 
And so I came to Grace in 89, so that's a long time ago too. But Ebenezer <laughs> Baptist Church <laughs> yes, at the sorry. time. And I met so many people that still uh, attend Grace at that time. But um, it's been 30 plus years for me, for your church. And then I, I got married and you guys uh, stood behind me when I was single. And then as I got married, we went back to Spain to serve uh, the Moroccan uh, believers, uh, to share the gospel with Muslims. So you have had a long history with our family. And uh, it has been a blessing for me, for me as a single person and for us uh, as a couple. And God has given us fruit for the seeds that the plastos planted and Ruth and Boaz. So we are harvesting what they planted many years ago. And now what we harvest, many will, will harvest. Will, what yeah. we're planting, many will harvest. For sure. So let me just clarify a little bit of that. So uh, in early 60s, there was a gentleman who was actually on staff here at Grace. Uh, I think at the time he was uh, working with the youth or he was an associate pastor. And uh, we had a missions conference here at the church. And in that missions conference, he felt uh, led to uh, pull up roots and move to Morocco and do ministry in Morocco. And that was the Plastos. And uh, his wife has since passed away, but we still uh, support him in his retirement. Um, so he's been on the uh, support since the mid-60s. Uh, and then one of the people that, that he played a part in discipling and bringing into ministry was Ruth and Boaz. And the people that helped to disciple Sue here was Ruth and Boaz. So, we have, so what I just want you to hear is just that three generations, right, of, of partners in a particular area working to establish and plant a church in a country where there really was no church at all. So uh, it's a beautiful picture. Last week I talked about the fact that we have a rich history of missions here in Grace and I just wanted you to kind of to see that and hear that because I think it's a, a testament to the faithfulness of this body and, and just what God has been doing. So Maher, um, why don't you just talk a little bit about the church in Morocco, like it's, it's so different than what we, when we think of church and what we experience. Um, how is it different? How would you, how would you describe the church in Morocco? A, ch a church in Morocco is basically uh, a home meeting. It's an, uh, a secret home meeting underground. It's not allowed to meet uh, in public. And uh, an average number of uh, believers attending a home group would probably be nine, ten people. It, if it gets to 20, they have to split into two groups because it's very suspicious for that many uh, people to meet together. But uh, praise God, the church is growing. By that, I mean that more homes are opened. Uh, for us to be able to open a home church or a, a church in Morocco, we need to have a couple, a, a Christian couple, married, and they have a home that they are willing to open to have a church. Without couples in, uh, in Morocco uh, opening their homes, we, we can't have a church. So that's why uh, a couple of years ago we decided to start doing marriage seminars and marriage training to encourage and to strengthen couples in Morocco that in, in order for them to open their homes. And uh, so the church is, is small. Uh, the numbers of believers are uh, in a population of almost 40 million in Morocco, we have probably about 5,000 believers. So the church is growing, but it's still tiny, and it's still uh, illegal for people to meet in public, so that's why they have to do it in homes. 
and they do it secretly. They don't have the freedom even to come to a home altogether. They have to come in groups. They have to come one by one. So, for example, if their meeting is at 10 o'clock, they start coming at 9 o'clock one by one until they all gather and start the meeting at 10 o'clock. That's what you guys should do. Start coming at like <laughs> half hour before, get here when it starts. Yeah. So it's... Uh, but uh, in spite of all of that, the church is growing, and God is bringing many people to himself in Morocco. Yeah, I remember when we were in Morocco, um, we had a, a dinner that you guys had put together, and everybody at the dinner were uh, fairly new young believers, and uh, we happened to be at a table with a guy who taught himself English, translating the Bible in two different languages. I don't know if he's still active, but at the time it was fascinating. But we were having this great conversation with him, and he asked me where I was from, and I said, Michigan. And he said, do you know David? And I was like, I don't know. He said, well, he's a believer in Michigan. <laughs> and, and it just was, but it, it, as much as we think that's like crazy, but that, there's so few believers. That he, it was hard for him to wrap his mind around the fact that I don't even know all the Davids here at Grace, let alone just a believer in the state of Michigan, you know, named David. But that, it's just it's such a different world. Uh, and, and it's so... It's just important, and it does just bear the fact that that we really do take so much of what we have uh, for granted. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you're excited about in ministry. What is the ministry all about? You guys are doing some really fun stuff right now. Love to hear a little bit about that. Okay. Uh, the main project that I'm working on now is uh, the Bible translation, Moroccan uh, Bible. Uh, 25 years ago, uh, Wycliffe Bible translators decided they wanted to translate the Bible which existed in Arabic, they wanted to translate it into Moroccan Arabic. Which um, is pretty different. It's pretty different. It's, yeah, it's, it's a Moroccan Arabic, it's a dialect, it's a spoken language, it's not a written language. So when uh, Wycliffe started translating, uh, they started and but then the translation stopped because they realized even if they had the Bible translated and printed in Moroccan Arabic, 45% of the population of Morocco can't read it because they are illiterate. So that project stopped for a while, and then 10 years ago, we partnered with the, the Bible Society and with Wycliffe to continue the Bible translation, but to also do an audio recording of the, of the Bible. So we started 10 years ago, and uh, four years ago, we finished the New Testament, and it's released in audio and in text. It's available on, uh, on your uh, Bible app, if you go look for the Moroccan translation, you can find it, you can listen to it. This is the work that we've been doing for the last 10 years. And uh, now we are at 75% of completing the Old Testament. By the end of next year, we hope that the whole Bible will be available on, online on, in the App Store in the Moroccan Arabic. You, just to realize how important this is, in Morocco, it's illegal to have a Bible. You can't go to a bookstore and buy a Bible. But in two minutes, you can download the whole, the whole Bible on your phone. 99% of the population of Morocco have cell phones. So even though the, Moroccan, the Bible is not available in Morocco for people to own, they can download it and they can have many different translations of the Bible. And we're so excited that the Moroccan dialect will be released by the end of next year. We will also print it because this will be the first book that will be actually printed in the Moroccan dialect. And uh, even the New Testament that we printed a few years ago is used now as 
uh, a reference in language schools for like uh, uh, foreigners who come to Morocco to learn Arabic, they give them the New Testament as a reference to, to uh -huh. show them this is, this is the um, spoken Arabic and this is the first book that is published in, the, in that translation. That's great. Yes, So talk a little bit about why is it so important to have it in audio? Like, it, why, why not just print it and save yourselves because all that like recording I, like time? Like I said, 45% uh, of... Uh, Actually, you didn't say it this time. I, That's why it's important. 45% <laughs> of the population of Morocco can't read. So even if they had the Bible, they can't read it. That's why it's, uh, it's uh, important for them to have it in uh, an audio format. And, uh, 40 million people. 40 million people. 45% are functionally illiterate. Yes. So having it... In a, in a Bible app where they can listen to it. Yeah. And uh, we also distribute it on MP3s. You yeah, know. for people that can't even use their cell phone, you know, for finding the Bible in Arabic, we will make it available on uh, small MP3 players that we give it to, to people who can't use the cell phone. And, uh, you That's know, awesome. the, in Romans it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word. So this yeah. is... The only way they will get the message in Morocco, by that's, hearing. That's awesome. Talk a little bit about your book, another exciting moment. Well, uh, during the pandemic, during the lockdown in Spain, uh, we couldn't go out for seven weeks. And many people... At all? Like at they, all. Could, they weren't allowed to leave their house? We were not allowed. So here was only going out to do shopping. And you took the trash? And right? I took down the trash, but couldn't leave the house for seven weeks. So many people took on, you know, different hobbies, some baking and cooking, and, you know, I decided to write a book. And uh, in seven weeks, I wrote down my, basically my testimony and story of how God changed my life uh, 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, when after uh, I met Doug and they left, the team left going, coming back here. I take all the credit, yeah. even though I had nothing to do with it. The Lord spoke to me through reading the Bible and uh, through uh, the verse in Corinthians uh, that uh, says uh, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. At that time, I was uh, living a you know, very unhealthy life. Uh, I was serving. I was spiritually uh, very healthy, but I wasn't taking care of my body. And uh, so I decided uh, I want to start researching in the Bible. I studied what the Bible said about the body. I, I decided to look at, you know, what the Bible says about food. And uh, so I started studying, and uh, during the lockdown, I took all that information and uh, wrote it down in a book in Arabic that talks about the temple of the, the Holy Spirit. And uh, God wants us to be healthy. You know, as, as Christians, we we're not supposed to be healthy only spiritually. We, God wants us to be healthy in soul, spirit, and body. And so the book is focused on that. And uh, it's in Arabic. And uh, I published it last year. And it's been in bookstores in the Middle East. And hopefully we'll have it translated in Spanish soon because there's a need in, uh, in Spain also for that. And, uh, you know, it's... It's been doing well, and uh, I'm really excited that the Lord is opening a new door for ministry now through, through the book. And uh, hopefully, 
when I'm done with the Bible recording project, I will focus on teaching and uh, speaking about, about this, uh, this subject, which is very important, in, especially in the Arabic-speaking uh, culture, because there is nothing. When I was researching for the book, I couldn't find anything written in Arabic about the subject of the body and how we're supposed to take care of our bodies. So part of it is exercise, part of it is diet, trying to weaving all those together. So yes, one of the things, yeah. uh, he's being very polite about everything, but he, since uh, we were in Morocco, you uh, became a runner, run multiple marathons. Yes, he was uh, running seven miles a day in his apartment during the lockdown shutdown. So, drove me crazy. Yeah, drove, I'm sure. <laughs> Thousand square foot apartment, he gets seven miles running. Yeah, I can't I, even, I, I saw a few videos of it, and sorry, I, yeah, laughed during, at, I laughed at you when I saw the videos. Yeah, 20 years ago, when I started my journey, I lost 100 pounds, and I started running, and uh, I haven't stopped. <laughs> I've done, uh, you know, 30 half marathons and two full marathons, and, uh, but God is good that, you know, I'm God is using this experience in my life to bless others, and this yeah, is sure. what the book is about. So. That's great. Talk a little bit about the cafe in Spain that you're excited about and even the invitation that that is yeah. for some I, of our young well, people. Well, we've been living in Spain for 25 years, and our kids grew up there, so we definitely have a heart for uh, Spanish people. We go to Spanish church. It's true, we reach out to North Africa, we speak Arabic. I know our situation is complicated, but God put on a heart also to reach out to the Spanish uh, uh, population. So we have a church in uh, Grand Junction, Colorado, that uh, have a um, kind of a cafe ministry among stud university students. And they reached out to us if we would help them, you know, in this project, that they have a heart to do that in Spain. And we, we welcome that, and we've been involved with them for the last, Ten years. It really, uh, we opened the coffee shop just two years ago before the pandemic, uh, and God provided all the funds. And the goal, it's a business, and you hire local people from the local church, but it's also a ministry. It's a place where students can come and meet in a safe place. It's not a church. A lot of young people don't want to go to church, so it's a, it's a safe place where they can come and meet uh, other students, play games, talk about uh, issues, subjects that they they have questions about, so it has been, we don't have alcohol in the coffee shop, so it's been a safe uh, place for them to come and ministries to have meetings. It's a really, it's a unique coffee shop. It's one, it's the first one we have in, in Malaga. It's almost one, one million, the population in Malaga. So we're excited about that, but sure. we're volunteering. We do this, you know, part-time. We don't, you know, it's not our goal, but... We have a heart for it. And one of the things is there's an opportunity yes. for some young people. She told me I was too yes. old, so I can't go. But there's an opportunity for young people to serve. How, what, what would that look like, maybe? Yes. We, uh, the goal is to uh, have a place where students can come and practice their English because they really uh, study at university and they don't speak good English. So they want to practice with others or help them do homework, uh, help them read a book. Uh, so... This is, would be something for young, young people. It doesn't matter, really. But it can be uh, university students or people who want to do one year overseas or f six months to come and volunteer at our coffee shop and uh, help with a university student's ministry. So um, let me just explain real quickly, and they can add a little commentary to it. So we keep talking about, we're talking about Spain, we're talking about Morocco. Geographically speaking, they're separated by a pretty small body of water, the Straits of Gibraltar. 
And uh, there was a time when the ministry was in Morocco, uh, but in the early 60s, uh, all the missionaries were booted out of Morocco, and they landed in Spain where they could then broadcast uh, via radio, via TV, and they could easily travel back and forth into the country. So uh, the the headquarters, if you will, is, is in Spain where the primary ministry of reaching uh, the Arabic-speaking world is into the state of Morocco. So, that's, so if you're going to talk about Spain, we're talking about Morocco, it's, it's, that's why both are there. And over the years, your church has sent uh, uh, t- teams, like your, your team. The last team that came was 2019. We missed the team that didn't come this year. But it has been a blessing for us, an encouragement that you guys come over. We take you to Morocco, and you see the country for yourself, meet the believers. And so you get to pray for them more intelligently. You get to pray them, for them really from the heart because you know the situation. So that has been a blessing over many years that your church has been involved in. So I encourage you to be on these teams. Hopefully you can come soon. Yeah. Hopefully we can get another group coming real soon. So um, you have an opportunity to say something to us as a church. And I would say the church in North America, yes, but Grace Community Church, you know us. We've been uh, doing this for a while together. Um, what would you say to us? What, what, do you, what is the word that you think the Lord might want to speak over this particular church? I think you already touched on that, but I think you, the, your church is blessed. You are blessed to be in a church like this, to have the freedom to be here to walk into the church without looking over your shoulder, see if somebody's watching you, to have that many people around you. This is a dream for many churches, for many people, in, not only in North Africa and Morocco, even in Europe. They don't have a church this size that they can join. Uh, all the resources that you have, you, really the Lord has blessed you in many ways, you know. The church may not be perfect. You may not like the, you know, the sound is too loud. The music is not your style, but be thankful. I think we, we take it for granted how blessed we are to be in a church like this. Like uh, I mentioned, the church in Morocco is underground. They don't have the freedom to attend the church. They don't have the, the freedom to be in a group like this. So, And also I would like to give a challenge to the Young, younger generation. Uh, last week, uh, we were meeting with uh, one of our supporters in Texas, and he asked me a question that I never, haven't thought about before. That he asked me, what is the average age of your support group, your individual supporters? And I thought about it, and I told him, you probably one of the youngest, and he's in his early 60s. And then I went back and I looked at our list of supporters. We only have one couple that are under 50 years old. And the rest, our average age of supporters is probably 65 and over. And uh, so the young generation, they have to really start thinking about missions. Not, not only speaking to this church, I'm speaking in general, that the young generation in the States, they have to continue the heritage the and legacy, the legacy of sure. the, the older generation that sent missionaries overseas. They gave and they went. So I pray that for the young generation to get involved, not only financially, but find out how you can be involved in giving. Now it's so easy to be a missionary. You don't have to go even overseas. You can do with with social media, 
with, even with your cell phone, you can do ministry, you can minister overseas. You know, now we're using technology in an amazing way to reach into the places that we never dreamt that it's possible to reach. So I encourage the young generation to get involved to, by giving, by going, by finding out about what missions really are all about. So I just want to make sure you hear what Meyer is saying. This is not as much about Meyer and Sue specifically. Uh, I think they would say they're, they're okay. If you want to support them, we would encourage you to do that. Uh, he's more sp speaking in general of missionaries uh, across, you know, we have, we need the younger generation to be as passionate about missions as the older generation was, and that's going to keep this legacy moving forward. So it's a great encouragement. How can we best pray for you, pray for Morocco, pray for your family, help us just to know how to pray for you, and then I will uh, wrap it up by praying for you. Continue to pray for the, the church in Morocco. The, the pandemic has not been easy because people could not meet. For people in different uh, areas, especially like for us in Spain, when we couldn't go to church, we were just, uh, we were overwhelmed with the number of churches that we can attend online. But in Morocco, because of the pandemic, many uh, believers stopped going to church, and this is the only meeting they have. Uh, so pray that they will be able to start meeting again. And uh, continue to pray for the Bible uh, translation and recording. Our goal is to have this done by the end of next year, to have it printed and have the audio finished uh, by the end of this year so it will be available. Pray for the people involved. The voice that does the reading is an older uh, gentleman. He's in his late 60s that comes to do the recording and uh, pray for his health, that he'll continue to be healthy and uh, during the you know, pandemic, we, he lives in Sweden, and we were worried about him because Sweden did not have any restrictions. And uh, so he was, uh, praise God that he stayed healthy. Pray that we will, you know, he stays healthy, and all of us will stay healthy to complete this uh, project. That's great. And pray that the book goes viral. Yeah, yeah that'd be fun. Yeah. Well, um continue to pray for the coffee shop, that, the, that God would really use it and students would keep coming and have a, a safe place to, to meet with others and, and hear the gospel. Uh, also, I appreciate your prayers as we, we arrived in the States two weeks ago. So we, we started traveling now, sleeping in different beds every few nights. So pray that we'd stay strong and, and healthy and that we can go back because we have a recording session end of, of January. We don't want to be stuck somewhere. So we appreciate your prayers for that. And for our children, that you guys know them. Pray for David and Natalie that they would come close to the Lord and walk with him and just obey him. That's great. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for my answer. Thank you for our friendship. I thank you for um, the gift uh, that was given to me almost 20 years ago to accept an invitation by Scott Shaw to jump on a plane and go to Spain and travel into Morocco and see this uh, fledgling church and to be inspired uh, by the depth of faith of the people that I met. And I learned so much from them that I still hold on to. Uh, I thank you for uh, Myers, who is just uh, friendship with me and friendship with Grace and the way they have been uh, just great partners for us. We've, we've just loved working with them. I do pray uh, for this Bible translation work. I pray that it would finish well, that it, they would get it to completion. 
Uh, and again, I just pray that it would go viral, that there would just be uh, just a movement of your spirit through this translation work that happens in Morocco, that uh, uh, the church would go from thousands to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands and even millions, and that uh, there would just be uh, just a movement of your spirit in this country uh, that desperately needs your peace and your comfort and uh, and your and your movement. We pray for David. We pray for Natalie. We pray that they would just um, the spirit within them would just be awakened. That you would draw them near to you. That they would have just a great sense of uh, you're calling them. You're wooing them. Thank you that you are a God who pursues and that you are passionately pursuing both of them. I pray that they would just uh, feel that and hear that and that they would uh, heed that. They would just heed that calling. I pray for uh, Meyer's book, that it would just be well-received, that it would just be uh, uh, tons of people who are getting it and that you would use that book also just to bring about revival uh, in Spain, revival in Morocco, and that you would just continue to do more than we can ask, think, or imagine according to the power of the Spirit at work within us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being here. Bless you. Bless you. So there's a group of people that gather before the service, and they pray for you. Um, I explained this a little bit last week, but I just want to explain it one more time. We believe, as a church, we believe that God still speaks. Do you believe that God speaks? Amen. He speaks to us individually. He speaks to us corporately. God is very involved in our day-to-day lives. So what we do is we gather before the service and we pray, but mostly we listen. What does God want to say to us today? What does God want to do? They pray for me. They pray for whoever the communicator is, but they also just ask, God, what do you want to say uh, through the service? And then they communicate with me either via text or uh, write it down what they heard in the in the service. So when I close the service uh, and I say this is what we heard, uh, that's where that comes from. It comes from that that pre-service meeting. For uh, this second service, what they heard is that there's some people struggling with hip and back pain. And we'd love to pray for you through that. There's someone who's struggling with some food allergies. We would love to pray over you. We believe not only does God still speak, but God still heals. And that there is uh, just a sense or a feeling of being overlooked. Um, I would also say uh, that there is a spirit of fear that is pervasive right now. And I think it's just so much has happened. And I understand that. But we need to remember that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Right? And that perfect love casts out all fear. So if you are feeling a sense of fear, don't feel shame about that. But we would love for you to come down and allow us to pray for you. So that can happen in two ways. You can just come down front. We have people who are trained who can meet you down here and pray over you. If you are online, there's a couple numbers on your screen right now. I can see it there. You can call either of those two numbers and they will place you in a private prayer session with somebody who's trained as well. And we would just love to... uh, Uh, Pray for you and pray God's best for you and over you. Uh, Thank you for being a part of today's service. I encourage you to be back here next week as we continue to talk about missions and mobilization. And if you are going to do Christmas in the D, I think that window is closing pretty quickly, but you may want to stop at the back and make sure you get your tickets. God bless you. Have a great Sunday afternoon.